1: Today we have as our special guest, Melanie Lutz, filmmaker, author, and love activist. Her multi-platform media, Mel's Loveland, is dedicated to changing the world's narrative and bringing peace and love to all. Her upcoming documentary series, Mel's Loveland, What If All Our Thoughts Were Loving, offers a season of love and asks what the world would be like if we let love lead the way.
2: And I'm Mary Elkins. Mel has also produced such films as Mel's Loveland, All Systems Love, and Jonna's Body, Please Hold. She has written a number of inspirational books, Mel's Loveland, 100 Days of Love Meditations, Vanessa by the Sea, Love Always Remains the Answer, and many others. Welcome, Mel.
0: Uh, great to be here and to have this season of love and also all of the reasons that we're here together to just spread love and to also connect to our inner power wisdom to share this time together and really just be open to the possibilities that are available in the electricity of our connection today so I'm super grateful obviously to to be with the three of you the power of the three is one of my favorites I have two brothers so we're always in our triangle of power.
1: Nice. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to spread love and uplift others? And how did you come to loving everyone? I,
0: my background is pretty unique. I um, grew up in, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and we lot, we had a big Sinatra Rat Pack, uh, you know, father and, and brothers. And so we were really about the music and about connecting as family and, you know, having a kind of a swinging, happening um, background. And I, I, I found myself inspired and I wanted to come out to Los Angeles and create some stars, if you will, some Rat Pack and stars. So that's what brought me out to Los Angeles. And then as far... And then, as far as like coming to loving everyone, we all hit that point where either we lose someone that we love dearly, when there's a grief, um, there's a breaking open of a life that you thought was the life you wanted. And perhaps it wasn't for me actually what I did want. So I had this opportunity to like sit with what does it mean? to put yourself into the equation. And I started hearing a song called, uh, it's, it's part of the Jungle Book, um, The Bear Necessities. So it was, look for the bear Melcessities. So it was somehow my, my consciousness was putting Mel into the equation. And so mm-hmm. I was thinking about what it meant to be a part of the life that I'd created that was so beautiful. And where I had really... You know, just been supporting other people. And the beauty of the put Mel into the conversation, um, I had been reading Joan Didion's The Year of Living uh, Miraculously, which she wrote after her husband passed away. And I was thinking, you know, how could I write a written self portrait about who and what I am when you really don't know because you've been serving other people? And so that's where I. F- I put myself out there with the bare melcessities, the naked truth, mm-hmm. a year of stepping into being loving, trying to connect with people, trying to be vulnerable for a year, trying to open up to the idea, wow, this is really what I need. These are my needs. And then allowing people to meet them awkwardly at first. And, and the year really evolved into this beautiful written self-portrait.
2: Oh, I love that. Well, how do you recommend we all practice loving others in a world where love isn't always paramount?
0: There's a simple practice of uh, my dad would sit us down at the table and like, what have you done for someone today? And we would go, you know, I, I was able to like help out our neighbor, you know, she was struggling with her, you know, garbage cans. And so like I jumped out there and like carried them up for her. And so that that was the inspiration for, we are our neighbors. So as we do for them, we're really doing for ourselves. And so we we were ingrained with that from childhood. And it just um, when I started to think like, what it, what is it that I'm missing from this lifestyle in Los Angeles, and it was. What am I doing for other people? How am I being a, a contributory factor for a better timeline? How are the stories I'm telling becoming uh, um, a shifted perspective. So it really it really just started to like make sense that if you shift your perception, if you shift your point of view, if you stop telling stories, like the only power we have to change, um, is this is to change the story that we're telling ourselves because we give everything all the meaning it has. So it was really a powerful thing to go, okay, what are the stories that bring me alive? And then what are the stories that are like about what I love? And then how do I turn that into a little bit of a, you know, a suggestion, a freer consideration? We're in the Oscar season. So it's like we're <laughs> we're just considering that there's a possibility you might see it differently. And then it just, uh, I started connecting to other movement people and other activists and other individuals that were organizing, not, not talking about what they didn't like about the world, but literally organizing for the world that they wanted to see and building bridges. And, you know, so it was really inspiring. And I thought, how did we get into this timeline where things aren't loving? And then it just, uh, and then it just struck me that we focused on things that were anxiety-producing, and we told stories that were anxiety-producing. And you know, for myself, I hit the point I was working at FX um, Studios on a bunch of the network shows, and they were murder shows. I mean, there we got into that. And then how do we explode someone's head you know, to a point where it's completely shocking visually and metaphorically, I guess. And I just stopped. And then we shifted um. into like, where can we get stories that really are about different points of view that aren't this narrative of propaganda or, you know, somehow the world is being saved by detectives who are solving these mysteries. <laughs> And where is it that we can uplift that story? And it just very quickly became clear that there were people in the world that had done things that were their love, their passion, the guy who started Patagonia. He loved the adventure of the world's, you know, travels and being on that mountain that he was like, maybe I can't make it. It's too windy today. But then he did it and he lit up because that's the adventure. That he was here to provide, and when he made his products, you know, to be in the Patagonia system, it was like people could adventure, people could connect. That I'm in uncharted adventure of land and and sea and air, and you know, when he um, moved into his "what is it all about" kind of thing, how am I going to help save the world? He moved his business into a collective care and a community governance, giving the company back to its employees who had served him well. And so those are the people that we, we started curating to tell the story about, we're here to connect to the land. We're here to really be in an ecosystem. I call it all systems love. Because it doesn't have a definition. It's just, I know that our systems need to be more loving. And um, that's the that's the aspect. And we started telling stories that were about what people loved. And so I'm I'm in the midst of curating what I guess I'm calling a content hub or a multimedia universe, if you will, that has people who are telling the stories of what they love that are really shifting the narratives. Um, We're uplifting uh, cinematographers that are women and integrating, so let's say there's five women in the cinema society of cinematographers. If you look at the big wall of the men who have lensed every film for a hundred years, there's five women who are part of that operation. And so for the past four years, I've been like really actively recruiting and integrating different, different peepers into like telling stories.
1: So I love that because my daughter's a cinematographer. So I really appreciate that. My next question though, I wanted to ask you, what is biophilia and how does aligning ourselves with this point of view help each of us as individuals?
0: Beautiful question. Biophilia is the love of all living things. It is our interconnectedness with everything that we see, interact with, and touch. And it has been something we've been singing about. Uh, one of the storytelling techniques that we've used is this concept of community garden. It's called a Biophilia Ecological Renaissance work. And so it has been integrated with indigenous practices of connecting to what the earth's soil needs, because we've lost 80% of the um, nutrients in our soil density on, on the planet. It's a, it's a pretty bad statistic as um, you get into the numbers of things, but there are collectives who are actively working with um, you know, I don't want to call it art. You have to do what you're here to do. I'm an artist. I like to sing. I'm a terrible singer in some ways. Like I can, I can carry the song, but I can't hit tones. And if if I'm in a choir, which is what we're doing, I don't necessarily sing those notes, uh, with with harmony. So I've learned that through the process of biophilia. But biophilia is the love of all living things, and it's how we create the ecosystems that uplift us and allow the environments to thrive that allow health and wellness, a foundational health and wellness to really like, you know, raise the roof as I say.
2: That's Mm. great. That's great. I wanted to say that's food for thought. That's kind of a horrible
0: pun, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the, that's the joy of, you know, changing your thoughts because everything has this uh it's like popcorn it's like popping
2: that sounds good i'm waiting for the sound how did you come to the question what if all our thoughts are loving as a starting oh, yeah. point for the original documentary series that you did mills mills loveland
0: yeah i'm in post production with this series now i'm uh the question i think was the universal question of how did we get here when we are loving when we've had wonderful lives, when we've told beautiful stories, um, how did we get here? Why are we in a timeline where there's fear that seems to be um, people would rather take their lives? I mean, suicide rates going up, things, mental health issues impacting drug addiction, you know, trying to check out of our life in some way. So those numbers have been rising, unfortunately, over the past, uh, uh you know 40 years or whatever but specifically in the last 10 years and so it really became um important to 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 check in with your connection to yourself to have the whole picture um be represented and it was like what if all of our thoughts were loving what if we were able to shift our thinking systems our storytelling systems you know to this let's think about it with love and one of my key marching principles through this process of building out a love network, folks that are committed to the storytelling point of view. And, and it is holistic. There is dark shadow work that goes on with loving. As you know, anybody who's been in a relationship knows that the shadow, the wholeness piece comes out in relationship in loving relationship in our deepest most personal relationships in our family relationships it's all up so i'm just advocating you know if you're not thinking with love what you're thinking is not true and so you just start the thought process and go as this am i thinking with love right now then you're like okay and then you shift to gosh if i'm not thinking with love, this isn't true. This is just a scenario that I'm creating with my thinking. So that's that's kind of the heads up. Interesting. What what would you say is the best part of your work? Seeing the I mean, it's more an experience. I know Eckhart Tolle talks about the feelingness of our existence. So we're not really here to think. Thinking is a an add-on to the human existence, but really we're here to engage in this feelingness, our intuitive, our liminal resources to know in this moment, gosh, I'm here to talk to you. And I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I gave, we have some questions to kind of go from, but I'm hoping that I'm present enough. I'm feeling into, this is going to air on Valentine's Day. I mean, perhaps someone needs to hear you know, let's, let's consider the possibilities today that we're going to be loving today and see how we go.
2: And 365 days a year, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, every day, the loving everyone has opened up um, doors and, and beautiful. I know I'm like a Jerry Herman fan, I'm a musical theater fan, but it's like open a new window every day is like something I grew up singing and That's how this loving everyone kind of feels. You're just opening up some new windows. You're considering some new options for yourself. And you're saying, you know what? Do I want to engage in some reality I'm creating that actually isn't benefiting me or my family? Well, Melanie, what uplifts and what detracts from
2: connection as far as people who think negatively versus those with loving feelings?
0: I mean, this is the core question. How are we depressed? How do we handle our depression and our natural sense of being in the world when we've got grief and when we're really just like, today isn't the day to do that? You know, devil get you behind me, number one. Obviously, we talk about that all the time, but it's truly just working with our natural rhythms and connecting to this like I said, a biophilia. I may have the darkest day I've ever had, but we're in camellia season. So I go out for a walk and I, I say to myself, I could barely get my myself out the door, but I'm conditioned to look for what is light and what is loving. And the if you're not doing some form of napping, the nap ministry is one of the things I've been promoting with the, uh, the <laughs> Trisha Hershey. Ministry. I've never heard of this. It's anti. It's it's anti-capitalism work. Um, it's trauma-informed work. But if you think there's something that you have to do, you say to yourself, "It's time for a nap," and then you take a nap. The nap ministry. You you absolutely work. Actively and decode this idea that you have to do anything. And so the NAP Ministry brings out this beautiful interaction with your actual energy fields. And so for me, if I'm stressed, like there's several deals that are on the table for different things. And you know, you could say yes or you could say no. And there's a part of you that says, Gosh, I may be seen in a a particular way if I take this road. If I close this deal, do I need it for health, wealth? You know, is it part of that system that enriches my life, or is it something I'm doing? You know, so you just run through those equations and and work on them, and then you make choices that ultimately are restful, are nourishing, meet your needs. And you don't feel as though you're out of your body, um, which sometimes happens in the entertainment business. I mean, there's people who, who uh, you know, who are trying to do something that may or may not have any um, impact that is loving, and so exactly. you're just kind of it's so it's become it's become a, a an ongoing like equation of how your life. Um, You know, if I add flowers and walks and a couple hugs from the dogs and some sisterhood time at the beach, having some drinks and snacks, you know that I'm going to be happy this, this, you know, (laughs) that my equation for the week is going to be more loving. My decision making is going to be better because I've had a chance to process in a loving community. So it's truly been, um, that's the are you doing things that are connecting yourself to your needs and how restful and peaceful is the outcome of that opportunity?
1: Wonderful. So, Can you tell us a little bit about Mel's love lands, Heart art, heart, art cards oh, and letters.
0: Gosh. Heart, um, heart. My, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, my, my dad passed away. Um, like five years ago, and um, my mom and him had been married for probably 50 years. I'm saying six, it's like 63, but she never wanted to like, she, she kind of tried to keep the numbers down there. I don't know. <laughs> my mom
1: makes some, her older, but she doesn't realize how valuable that time is together.
0: Yeah, you, know,
1: you want to was- showcase it, not hide it. No, I, and I the, feel-
0: she wasn't necessarily in her right mind there towards the um, end. So, you know, um, but the beauty of spending that time, um, as you said, having those moments where maybe the physical health, like my father was a bit of a Sicilian, a little bit of a gangster kind of uh, gentleman who wanted to do things his way. And so He was diagnosed with a terminal illness. He um, was like, you know what, I'm good. I'm gonna check out, you know. And so we all, as a family, decided to bring them to California and live and move them into Pasadena. And so we had this like very quirky six months with my father, my mom in a new location, beautiful location in in Pasadena. I mean, Pasadena's one of the most gorgeous cities in the United States. I feel, I love it. Mm-hmm. And we had this grace filled six months of just, you know, my dad being my dad, but being sick as could be, but still fully in his, this is my choice. And then he passed away and I know it's a long story, but we had to find a place um, for my mom who was grieving, who was, stressed out like I mean she went into the hospital and my dad passed away because you know just it just her entire system checked out so we found a wonderful place there's a Regency Park there's a lovely system there's like a small system of Pasadena senior care facilities and stuff so we found a beautiful place and first Valentine's Day I was like what can we do to support my mom My friends came, like, so we decided to make a hundred for whatever reason, that was the number, a hundred days of love. And, um, we had this beautiful experience of taking white roses and cards to the hundred seniors that were in this facility. Oh, that's wonderful. And you're
2: continuing to do that, aren't you? With other people? Every
0: year we've, um, expand, like we've expanded, um, Yeah, to different senior homes. My my mom has now passed away as of um, last year, but the so we've moved to different spaces, and it's um, such a beautiful process. There's so much love in it. We have different uh, reasons, I guess, for participating. At the end of the day, but it's it's that like some of the it's the work ahead for the 21st century is multi generational. There is a young, young eight-year-olds who are literally empathic. They know how to connect to seniors. They know how to connect to what they love and how they share that love. And they want to do this wonderful work. And then each generation we include in this card-making process. So we've, you know, we obviously have 80-year-olds making cards to you know, eight to 11 is the, is the youngest. And we just have a, you know, kind of a party and we just talk about stories. We talk about the love that we've shared with our loved ones. And while we're making the cards and it has been a beautiful tradition. Um, we're now, like I said, five. this'll be the sixth year, um, since my dad. Passed. So you're
1: hand making, you're hand making them all to, all together. You're hand making the cards. Sounds like. Yeah. A group. It,
0: it's an yeah, they're literally the blank canvas of um, the cardstock eight and a half by eleven. We just fold it in half, and then people do their do their story wow. sometimes of the love that wow. they shared with the with their person they're thinking about. Wow. And then when we deliver the cards, I have so wow. many loving stories of people just breaking into memories wow. of when they first met their husband to share like. In Pasadena, there was a multi cult. Like there was folks that had moved here with their husband and created this beautiful life for themselves. And now their husband was gone, and they're in this home. And so people weren't asking them stories about their relationships with their partners. You know, so it was really just super deep,
1: beautiful,
0: yeah. And so we just continued that feeling. And obviously, COVID took us to. Different, we couldn't go into the, like, we couldn't get past the lobby during COVID, but we found ways to, like, contribute to people that were in need. And, you know, even Alex Trebek, um, when he passed over, some of his donation uh, for the unhoused, the tiny home space in North Hollywood, we were able to add that into our. So it extended to families that didn't have homes and so people did do some cards for that connection.
2: That's so uplifting. Beautiful. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: yeah. being for for more uplifting of our audience, tell your your tell us about your book, Mel's Loveland, A hundred Days of Love Meditations. And if you mm. could, uh, read us a day or two from your book or if from memory. Yeah.
0: Oh, so from memory for sure, but that was after crying all the tears I had to cry um, from breaking up with. I I had a divorce. I went through. Everybody has the thing that they go through, but after crying all the tears about whatever you cry about, like lost love, or you know, and then you come to the love. All the love was real, and the relationship itself was gorgeous and beautiful, and we shared so many memories around the world and and you go like okay what's it all about you know and then i heard a voice that was like share the gifts that you've been given and i thought to myself i have been given so many gifts from my sisters like my girlfriends and who showed up in so many different ways and so i wrote this like thing called i am a magnificent woman which was a connection to the ancestral uh, lineage going all the way back to, in, and I know some people do past life stuff. And I, when I moved to town, there was, uh, the, the, there was this psychic network. There were people like um, Kenny Kingston who talked about sweet spirits. I mean, Sylvester Stallone's mom did like really unusual. Um, I don't even want to say, but I will like, butt prints I didn't do them you can look that up <laughs> but things that were <laughs> connected to their wisdom traditions and trying to like divine the cosmos and so I just like thought about that and this I am a magnificent woman just came out of like ancient like an ancient cry for we're here to birth new worlds we are here as women to holistically with our gestalt that's random and and ugly and bleeding and unbelievably uplifting when we come together nourishment you know all of the things that the woman paradigm however you want to look at it represents and so i i i guess i birthed this i am a magnificent woman like it's 10 minutes of stanzas that are just like you know i'll talk i mean i i don't I haven't thought about it in a while, but super deep. And um, and then I thought, gosh, that was I got something out of my system, which is women have given birth to the entire population, mm-hmm. and so how how can we how can we put our men folk um, into the dialogue? And so that's what the hundred days of love kind of was that reconnection to the energy of a balanced. And obviously there's much dialogue and, you know, there's constructs of calling woman, man, you know, all of the things that we're living in as we decode the universe. But it really felt important to me to reach out with daily loving writing, stories, activism. What are we doing to be a part of each other's lives? How are we going, hey, you know, partner, husband, boyfriend, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what you should be doing. You know, you have eyeballs. Here's the home. Do your own labor. So how do we engage that in a loving way? How do we reframe the loving story that it isn't woman's work? Women women are here to birth new universes. And so we don't necessarily have the time to do all the laundry <laughs> to make sure that the thing is working. Because we got shit to do. Uh-huh. So that, the, so that was the hundred days of like, let's get fiery. Let's get you know, let's impact each other. Let's tell each other, you know what, you can say, gosh, maybe you'll make the plans for what we're doing. I don't need to make a choice. I'll show up. You know, don't let me do your labor anymore. And it's been pretty effective.
2: Do you have a day or two you can read from the book for our audience?
0: You know, I would have to step away and grab the book, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm, uh, I could look something up, I guess, but what we can keep talking, and I'll find it. Okay.
1: Okay. I wanted to. I'll I'll ask another question while you're looking for that. Um, As an author and a filmmaker, what would you say is the hardest thing you've ever had to bring into existence?
0: The hardest thing about bringing uh, something that never existed you know, finding the, the truth in this, like, completely constructed storytelling, um, I feel like it was believing in exactly who needed to pull off the jobs. So I think the belief in talent who people said, nah, they shouldn't do it. We should cast somebody else you know what, they're not good enough to do this set design because their crew isn't, you know, up to, they haven't had the experience crewing up um, and just saying, you know what, we want to use them. We want to grow in this way that's collective, that's um, allows people to grow, that gives people opportunities to thrive and to shift conversations. So I always go back to kind of the first movie that I put together and it, it's, I don't, it just happens to be because it's also rooted in the rat pack and my dad and that kind of stuff. But it's like, we had the opportunity to do swingers when I was a kid or whatever. When I first came to town, I was like 21 and managing actors and directors. And I just, um, a couple of young guys, super funny. You know, we were drawn to Vegas cause my dad was, was in there, Louis Prima and, uh, was dead but keely smith had her partner um samby terra was still performing in las vegas and so we had a friend of ours my brother my younger brother was dating or whatever that um worked for entertainment tonight for like 20 years and so she was like hey do you guys want to come to vegas and we're gonna have this big sinatra night and like Sinatra is performing at the riviera whatever and so i just remember gathering all my little boy like all my kids or whatever and we're like, let's go to Vegas, and uh, and so, swingers was this like collaborative long journey into existence, and so that's that's kind of where I go when I think about like that was believing in yourself, not having enough money to do anything, but still like oh we're still like boss, you know we're still driving around or we're still able to like put gas in our car. And so we could drive where we needed to go and then just keeping it, keeping on, keeping on. And just having that fun moment where people finally go. And even even my best friend, she had a party to to go to Sandra Bullock's house. And we had our first screening of the film and she chose to go to Sandra Bullock's house. And I don't deny her that because Matt McConaughey was there, whatever. But you have these moments in life where you go... Mm -hmm. Um, she didn't show up. She missed out, you know. And so we had a long talk about that, and we're friends to this day. Like thirty years later, we are we are buddies because we talked about. Do you think it's? something you think? I mean, Sandra Bullock's like important, but who's more important? You know, your best <laughs> friendship. Friend.
2: Friendship. <laughs> best friend.
0: So yeah. you know, like, next time you can make a different decision, and she did. So I really respect the process, and. That was, that was kind of a, a tough, I went through a lot of ups and downs, like trying to establish who, what friendship means in the, in the collaborative relationship of making a movie, which brings out everyone's egos and hopes and dreams and, you know, desires to fulfill their passions.
2: What three words best describe the work of love as a narrative shifter? And also on a like note, In looking at your work, what do you see as your role in changing the narrative and building a new system of storytelling for all media, entertainment, and technology?
0: That's a great question. The um, three things I'm infusing in the media landscape, the media, entertainment, tech, not met, as they call it, the media, entertainment, tech, I'm seeding the collaborations with the artistry, with the, with the folks that are doing the storytelling. So seeding is, is one of the key elements of this. Obviously, the idea of an all systems love production process where we shift back, and I, there's a few examples of this, which I'll give after I give the third word, but the third word is harvest. So the three elements for me of this new narrative We're seeding ideas, possibilities, a renaissance of thought that really is about our community, our stories being stories that are wonderful, loving, lit up stories. So seeding, loving, and then this idea of harvesting. So I am connecting to this lands of love. The idea that our stories can be loving, they can be connected, they can be rooted, and they can be a part of an ecosystem that drives us to be connected, harmonious, loving participants in a world where we have our dark days and we ask for what we need and we're able to tell stories that Actually, put us on a timeline that is loving, that is peaceful, and that allows for the earth to return to the nutrients in the soil and the and its and its rightful birth birth opportunity of earth magic and miracles. I mean, I don't want to be too like fluffy, but I do love the earth magic and miracles as far as the uh, infusion of what I'm doing. So that's that's how I'm I'm taking my critical mass of individuals who are committed to this idea of more love, more connection, community-driven actions that tell the stories that we are here to tell. I mean, what better thing can you do than offer a space where folks can discover who they are at the deepest level and then also share those stories uh, because they're here to tell their story. We heal through telling our stories. And so the more stories that we tell that are the ways that we heal. So it's, it's a pretty easy, I mean, seed, love and harvest and the harvests are always different. I'm not talking about like being connected to an idea that's like, because ideas change with our thoughts. <laughs> so the, the process for me is just reminding folks that they don't have to, they can change their mind and they can mm. tell a different story.
2: Mm. Mm, I love wow. that. Yeah. That's great. Fantastic. Are there other three words, too? You said feed, love, and harvest. Seed. And, and then are seed. more. Uh,
1: seed, love, and harvest.
2: Seed. that That's better. <laughs> yeah.
1: Here. Can you take um, us a little bit through your creative process also? Where do you draw inspiration from? And how are you able to innovate in your work?
0: Well, I. this is going to sound um, interesting, but I guess it's all connected to the intuition. I had a near death experience. Um, so I died and then came back. And so, what happened, uh, you know, you just drowned, I drowned and then I revived, somebody revived me. But, um, so you have this Claire, I have Claire audience. Um, other people have Claire sentient. I mean, there's a million ways that we're feeling through this existence So one of the tools I've had access to is clear audience. So I am able to hear uh, from helpful ancestors uh, from, you know, industry, um, you know, like I used to hear from Hitchcock or whatever at one point, and then I was like, is that really Hitchcock or is this just a joke? But um, Mm -hmm. you, you just kind of go, my process is listening deep deep listening it is being present it is allowing for the collaboration and this is why there's an the entertainment business technology storytelling California the the sunlight that drew me here is the reason I um, am participating in this all systems love. Content hub or a collection of loving stories or shifting points of view and organizing deeply with people who are committed to sharing vulnerable uh, to lensing things that we haven't seen in the media landscape for the past hundred years. Um, so for me, my my work is curating wonderful artists who are absolutely in touch with. Biophilia, bringing it back to the first part of our conversation, the love of all living things. My action does have a reaction. My telling a story does impact, um, and it doesn't have to impact the world, but that ripple effect does uh, does reach areas that you can't even imagine. And so that's the that's the after I take a nap, that's my number one. You know methodology. How like many sleep. naps
2: a day do you take?
0: I actually have. I've I've been working the nap ministry for three years, so I now actually take less naps because I'm not as tired as I was when I started. You and have also, more
2: passion and love.
0: I've got focus on listening. I take a nap and then I hear the solution, and that's the creative process that I'm attempting to, you know, co-create with folks. And also it, there's a beautiful story. I mean, I, I, Sidney Poitier passed away, um, you know, within this past year and uh, Joanne, his wife, and there's several of my friends who um, were involved with him. And, you know, when he started, there were no, <laughs> they did not pay black people. Uh, it was like, we don't want to we'll, pay them pennies, pennies, pennies. And there was a producer, um, Walter Mearish, who said, you know what, studio, pay him, pay him nothing. But you know what, if, if he's good, if the movie's good, you know, he should participate in the profits. And so he, Walter Mearish took an opportunity that was crap and allowed for this powerhouse of a performer who when I mean, I, I grew up with that channel nine. I was, you know, New York station and, you know, all the Sidney Poitier movies were just like, boom, in your face. You're like, that's, I mean, that's acting you know, for me. Like that's acting, you know, which you don't even know as a kid, but just to hear that he didn't get, he was able to participate in the profits of his talents and, Many producers didn't do what Walter, Walter, you know, they didn't do that. And, you know, it's, there's ways we can shift the narrative. There's ways that we can take negatives and make them about thriving. And that's the dialogue that comes from a governance that isn't top down. That is about like, let's believe in the seed to blossom and let's allow that harvest to be shared. And those are, the, those are the stories. Those are the economic models, the payment models. You know, there's a lot of things in doing an all systems love model, you know, or trying to do it that you have to reconsider everything you've ever done and be comfortable with that. And the NAP ministry has helped me do that.
2: Oh, that's great. Well, what would you like our audience to have as a takeaway today?
0: Um, that there's more love. Uh, then there is fear and we have 10,000 thoughts a day and it is a reality that you're creating if you don't just consider the possibility that you sh- can infuse more love into um, into the the work you do into the you know the daily routines that really are our existence and you know I I know that um, I reached I, I did get the the piece of the book that I guess I wanted to share, the Mels Loveland, you know, Good. consider the possibilities, the hundred days. And it's the definition of these lands of love. And so it's loveland isn't a place you can go to on a map. It is an experience of yourself within an experience of deep and abiding peace of mind, body, and spirit, a place where you can wake up in full joy of your being and fully participate in every process of your life, enraptured in the sacredness of your truest home, that space where love and forgiveness meets an open heart, becoming a soulful force of nature. And love has come to any land long barren, nourishing, filling up dried riverbeds of being, and flowing through once rough terrains, now fully divine, soulful, beating, reanimating, roots growing, absorbing till sated, becoming love itself through ever-rushing pathways of this human experience, floating our spirit ever higher toward the peace of heaven on earth. And so that was my kind of definition of what Loveland was, and we're here to really fully embrace uh, lands of love and the experience of being connected with each other in, in powerful, harm, harmonious ways. So I'm super grateful. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, this has been, um, you know, more loving than I had anticipated, but we are, you know, we are <laughs> love here on, yes, on we this, are. Uh, February. That's, I mean, I'm so and moved and inspired.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm Damn. so moved and inspired. Thank you so much. And today, our guest on Late Boomers has been Melanie Lutz, filmmaker, writer, and love activist and naf- napping expert. <laughs> Be neat. a part of the Loving Story movement and reach out to Melanie at MelsLoveland.com. And check out our latest documentary series, Mel's Loveland, What If All Our Thoughts Were Loving, and buy our books from any online or brick and mortar bookstore.
1: And we want to remind our listeners that we now have a new YouTube channel, the Late Boomers Podcast. Don't be confused by our competitors, the Late Bloomers. We are booming. Boom boom boom. And we are recording, <laughs> <laughs> we're recording this episode for Valentine's Day. So you can watch it on YouTube or listen to its message of love 365 days a year. And please contact us us on our website, LateBoomers.biz, B-I-Z, and on Instagram at LateBoomers, at I am Kathy Worthington, and at I am Mary Elkins. We hope you are finding joy and inspiration and love in our podcasts and that you will subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Thanks again, Mel. (laughs) You're
0: welcome. Thank you too so much.
1: Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to EWNpodcastNetwork.com.
2: This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.